0: On 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. Alright, 5 o'clock hour on the Sports Bash. I'm Mike Gill, driving you home. Yes, indeed. Hopefully, uh, we got another hour to play. Hopefully, you're enjoying the show today. We're having fun bringing it to you. We always do. Make us a daily part of your routine. Tell a friend. Download the app get it from the app store, and then listen to the podcast.
1: You can listen to us twice. Absolutely. Isn't that the greatest? That's what I would do. Absolutely. You know what else I would do? Make some money. How do you do that? Well, it's simple. Go to DraftKings. DraftKings is giving you the chance to double your money. All it takes is one touchdown to be scored during Saturday's football game. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code 973 when you sign up to have a shot at doubling your money if a touchdown is scored in one of Saturday's football games. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey only. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLING. We'll have the games all live here on 97.3
0: ESPN. Triple header both days. Like that, huh? Yeah, it's a lot of football. Great football, too. All right, so we got Anytime Hotline calls on the Phillies. Now, these are the Phillies fans that, out of nowhere, just decided, I'm going to call the Anytime Hotline and complain because the Mets made a big trade today. The Mets made a massive trade today. Not a big trade. This is massive. I mean, they get Lindor and Carrasco. I mean, you got two all-stars. Could you imagine? Carrasco's like a lower-level all-star, not a perennial all-star, but... He has been really good.
1: Could you imagine knowing that that is what you get to see when you go watch your baseball team? Like, considering what we're about to enter as a baseball season, imagine the excitement from Mets fans right now, knowing that maybe George Springer is on the come next.
0: Well, Carrasco, by the way, if Phillies fans should remember Carrasco, because you traded him to get Cliff Lee, so... That's how long Carrasco's kind of been around. He's now 33 years old. You remember when Carrasco was like the young guy in your organization that was like the untouchable guy? He got you, Cliff Lee, but he's turned out to be really good. He's received down-ballot Cy Young Award votes. Last year in 12 starts, he was only three and four record-wise, but 291, 121 whip. Carrasco, I'm telling you, if he's on the Phillies you might have way different expectations for the season because now you have Carrasco, you have Nola, you got Wheeler. I mean, that gives you three guys. Carrasco has been one of the guys. I mean, he was eighteen and six a couple of years ago. He was seventeen and ten. But where he really excels, he is a guy whip always one one. He's he's a low whip guy. Uh, his ERA career three seventy seven pitch in the American League. He's going to be great in the National League. But which by the
1: way. Hasn't even decided whether they're using the DH or not yet. Which is wild, right? I mean, we talk about making moves in the offseason. Don't you think these individuals who are making the baseball decisions need to know? If they need a DH or Yeah. So that is another factor in the, I mean, it happens every year regardless of this year, so what you said still stands true, but that is a major issue from an organizational standpoint, from a league standpoint. The guys who are in charge of making baseball decisions don't even know what the roster is supposed to look like yet?
0: Yeah, it's it's pretty wild when you think about it, um, that hey, should I go out and get a guy that maybe doesn't play great defense but can swing the bat because I could use him as a DH? Think about that. Right. How do they not know this yet? I know. I think it's, it's, it's a sign pointing to them not using it. Might It might be. In the National League, which, which I don't is, have a problem right, with. Right, I was
1: going to say, it's good for you. But a light bulb went off in my head when you were talking about if the Phillies had Carrasco. If this team did add one pitcher, let's say, I, I very hypothetical, if they do go out and get Trevor Bauer, no other moves really made. Are you that excited for this season? I'm more excited. I still think that they're going to be last or second last to the bottom, even if they get a Bauer. It turns the tables a bit for the future of the team, but they have so many holes. What would one starter do for your excitement if that's really their move that they did all off season long?
0: Do they bring Real Muto back?
1: No, because they're spending big money on a bigger pitcher. I'm out. Exactly. Now, if they went JT and pitcher... Then I feel a little different. I agree because you're but setting yourself offense,
0: up. No DD though. No DD. Their offense last year was pretty good. Their bullpen was historically bad. So I'd have a hard time. I'd have a hard time if you gave me a pitcher and and, and no DD and no JT. Ew. Yeah.
1: It's going to be. Can you imagine being Bryce Harper right now? That's what I was going to say. It's going to be a brutal, brutal summer. It's going to be one of those once again. Remember when Bryce Harper first signed? Spring training, Saturday, first game. You, we were so juiced. I remember getting my alarm going, make sure you don't miss the 1st that bad of spring training, Bryce Harper. Wow. Has it completely flipped
0: in a couple of years? All right, let's get the anytime hotline calls and uh, – these are reactions when the Mets made the trade for Lindor and Carrasco today. You guys started calling our Anytime Hotline.
2: What are we doing? Are we even
3: doing anything? We've made very few moves to try and improve this baseball team. Why haven't we signed JT yet? Why haven't we signed more relief pitching? Why have we picked up more pitching? Why haven't we signed Didi? Why haven't we done all the moves necessary to retool the franchise? We're going to be a third Fourth place team in the NL East this year. Even fifth place. I don't know. All I can tell you is that we need to do more if we want to be the World Series contenders that we want to be. We just can be sitting here doing nothing, wasting Bryce Harper's career.
0: Now, some of that's a little irrational. The World Series contender. This isn't a World Series contender. They weren't going to be a World Series contender. I don't know if there's a move that they can make that puts them into World Series contender. But they are multiple pieces away from being close to that right now they, they had no catcher right now currently
1: they have no catcher
0: no shortstop
1: Andrew Knapp. sure well, what they would do is they'd get another catcher to do a dual thing with nap and whoever they bring in maybe they put gene segura at shortstop and scott kinger is your second baseman Reese reset first out bowman third there's your infield then you got roman quid adam Hazley in center Bryce harper and a really old andrew mccutcheon this there's a worse your team. team
0: than last year
1: there's your team it's a worst team than last year what you got.
0: Can't do it. I really think that's what you got. How do you. Here's the problem. No fans. Owner doesn't have to face it. Doesn't have to see the empty stadium. Doesn't have to hear the booze. The no fans.
1: He's going to say no fans. I could skate through a year. With no fans. Well when Dave Dombrowski came in here, didn't we look at it as almost uh, not a punt year, but He needs to see what they have. He needs to kind of get in here and assess everything. That's kind of what it sounds like they're going to do this year. This was a team
0: that with Gabe Kapler, who everybody said was the biggest problem they had, was about a 500 team. You went out and upgraded the team with Zach Wheeler. You brought in a new manager and were worse. So you go from a team that was not historically, but... For three years, one of the worst teams in baseball from 12, 13, 14, 15. They were some of the worst teams in baseball those years. And then Kapler came here. They were about a 500 team. So you felt like, okay, they're taking steps in the wrong direction, uh, in the right direction. Now we need the manager to get them a more professionalism. They went and got Harper. They went and got Real Muto. They went and got Wheeler. They spent money. They have added the manager and they're now backpedaling. The product on the field is backpedaling from where they were. So, I get it. Dombrowski had to come in here, but this should be something that felt like it was in neutral, that now I need someone to shift that gear to put it in the right direction again. No, they're in neutral and saying, but we're going to kick it back in the wrong... We're- we'll go back to first
1: gear instead of trying to kick it into third. And they have zero prospects as well. It's The way to lay it out is... like the Sixers worked they got Ben and Joel what the Phillies were doing was tanking brought Matt Clentak in here the problem is they had the wrong GM in place they thought that they were going to stockpile the system and then that they would be able to bloom and blossom from there imagine if the Sixers went through all of those hell years and didn't land Ben and Joel and instead they picked busts like Anthony Bennett and those guys, and that's what you came out with. That's essentially what happened to the Phillies. They came out with literally nothing from their tank because they missed on all their guys. All right,
0: anytime, hotline.
2: I'm kind of pissed off. Uh, I'm not going to lie. The Mets acquired uh, Lindor. The Mets are still going to find a way to be average next year every time they get a star, it just always flops. I'm telling you, they're going to find a way to be average next year.
0: I see what his point is. They are the Mets, but this is a different Mets. It has a different feel. They got a new owner. They're spending money. I don't think that the Mets are just going to find a way to be average, but he started that call off by saying, I'm kind of pissed. The Mets said, hey, we're going to go out there and we're going to do something to kind of, if we're stuck in neutral,
1: we're going to kick it into another gear. When you do look at the Mets over the last couple of years, they always had talent. They could just never really put it together, but, you know, they were dealing with Brody Van Wagner and all this and that. This is a totally new regime. We've seen it now with the Sixers. The Sixers is exactly what you need to see for a blueprint of the Mets, and hopefully maybe the Phillies with Dombrowski, but once you figure out your new regime up top, it then snowballs into the field, or onto the field, and... You are seeing Steve Cohen very willing to put this team in in the best position, and you're and you're gonna see you're gonna see it.
0: All right, um, couple more. We have news on Jim Schwartz, by the way, coming up in just a couple of minutes. Uh, here's another anytime hotline on the Phillies, uh, Mets.
1: I just got the news about when and Carrasco going to the Mets about an hour ago, and I'm uh, not too happy, and I feel like I'm not very confident in this team where it's at right now. I feel like they're gonna be. In the basement next year. If we don't want to be like that, we need to make some moves. Especially, resign Romuto now, immediately. Try our best to resign him. Make some couple of moves, especially in the bullpen and starting rotation. And basically, I'm worried. Well, let me let me ask you this, Gil. Yeah. Should we feel like they are going to be making moves? I, I feel you. Would it be right to expect them to make any moves right now? A
0: couple things. One, wasn't a great free agent class. Not a lot of moves to be made. Right. True. Wasn't a guy you were like, that's the perfect fit for us. The perfect fit for this team was to find some bullpen guys. The problem is you don't fix your bullpen through free agency. It's really not the blueprint to fix your bullpen. Unless you're the Yankees and you just want to spend outrageous money because – You can do that. Other teams can't do that. That's why the Yankees have this ridiculously unfair advantage over everybody else and yet still can't figure out ways to win the World Series every single year, which really they should. It's a joke that they don't. That being said, there wasn't a player that you said they got to target this guy, right? This was a terrible year to try to rebuild your team and make a big turnaround. So... The only guy that would excite me of the guys on this list that are available is Bauer.
1: Well, isn't the problem also that one... You have so many holes. One guy isn't really changing much while everybody else in your division is very solid right now. So what does... I'm not saying I would be upset if they signed one of these bigger guys. Obviously, that's a huge move. But they have so many damn flaws that even well, if the they problem. landed one guy, you're still win- You're still fourth in the division. Here's the
0: problem. You, you, you have not knowing if there's a DH, I think, is a problem for this team. Because what do I do with Reese Hoskins?
1: He also had surgery.
0: Correct. I don't even know if he's playing, if he can play the field. Maybe he could just DH. There might not be a DH. Do I need a first baseman? Do I play Alec Boehm at third, ba- first base? If Reese Hoskins doesn't play, I play Boehm at first. Fine. Second base, I'm going back to Kingery? Probably. Shortstop, I don't have one right now. Am I playing Segura there? Yeah. Third base. If I got to play Boehm at third at first, what am I doing at third? Sean Rodriguez available? Do I go Brad Miller coming back? Do Brad, I go Brad, Kingery Brad back at short and Segura at third? And maybe go and find a second baseman.
1: Maybe. I know Simmons is available. He's a name for shortstop that was at one point maybe talked about. And yeah, Andrew, Andrew Simmons yeah, uh, from the you can. Plug, yeah, you can plug him in there. That's what you would do. You would find a an infielder for a one-year deal. Something like that. Right. So,
0: you got a question at short without DD and what you're going to do to fill that spot, which could have a domino effect on the rest of the situations and Hoskins being a question mark it could mean I I'll have a question mark at third I don't know if they're planning on playing boom at third or not
1: I would imagine if Reese can play I would imagine that he's going to continue to play third base I would yeah.
0: imagine so too I'm just you know
1: then what do I
0: do I've been told they don't want to play Segura at short so what are you doing with him? Are you playing him at second and going with Kingery at short and Bohm at third? I don't like any of these options that we have laid out. Okay. But my point about that really is there isn't a guy, I mean, unless you want to sign Justin Turner, who's like 35 years old, and just use him as a stopgap at third, play Segura at second, go Kingery at short, and play Boehm at, now, but what do you do with Hoskins if he's healthy? Especially if there's no DH. Especially if there's no DH. Now, in your outfield, you're stuck with McCutcheon again, right? I am depressed. This conversation has me sad. You're stuck with McCutcheon again. Your center field spot's still a disaster. It sucks. And you've got Hoskins, uh, you've got uh, Harper in center. Right field, you mean. Right. You don't have a catcher. At this moment in time, right now, you don't have a catcher. Your starting rotation is exactly how you left the field last year, and your bullpen was historically bad and has gotten no better. Correct. That's where you are. Correct. Now, I'm going over this list of free agents. Springer plays center. They're not getting him. Real Muto's a catcher. You might get him. Bauer, you could certainly use. I'd say about a 25% chance that happens. I would say even less than that. LeMayhew. They're not going after him. I agree. Uh, Marcelo Zuna's a DH. He fits no purpose on this team. Justin Turner. This is my point. That's the free- Justin Turner's the seventh-rated free
1: agent that's still available. I think he's going to stay with L.A. Let's be realistic, right? He's probably going to sign back with L.A.? I would imagine so. Maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. But he has ties there. They just won the world. T- if he wants to keep going back to the world, right, but Series I said every I brought his name
0: here. up earlier, and you said no immediately.
1: Well, yeah, because I didn't think it was a reality. Not I just I don't see the fit here. But I get you, a stopgap guy. I don't think he's taking a stopgap to come to the Phillies. If anything, he's just gonna. Why would he leave LA unless they don't offer him anything? Would uh, you, okay, if him, they
0: signed him, would you be happy?
1: I think it would be better than what they have now, but not enough to really like make my juices go. Yeah,
0: There is Zippo available in the everyday lineup that pushes my pile. I mean, if they bring in a couple of these bullpen arms, sure, they need bullpen help in the worst way. They need another starter in the worst way, but they can't do anything to improve the everyday lineup right now.
1: I'm out. And that goes to show what I was saying before. This is a punt year. This is them punting the football away. So you're going to have to go through. It won't be 162. It's got to be shortened. But you're going to go through those games knowing you might be competing with the Miami Marlins for the last place in the division. They
0: made the playoffs last year. Yes, they did. You did it. That is correct. I understand
2: it's frustrating from a Phillies fan perspective, but I'm going to still play a bit of devil's advocate here. I, I want to see the finished product before I crucify Dave Dombrowski here. I mean, he said it at his press conference. He was very transparent. This is not going to
3: be a quick fix. I mean, the Phillies minor leaks are so bad, they don't even have marginal talent. And they're sure as hell not going to trade an Alec Bohm or a Mick Abel for anybody. we got to let this guy clean up the mess
0: from the regimes before him. And then judge him going into the season. All right, fair point. Here's the thing: Can Dave dobroski do a Daryl Morey in one year? No. Can no? Well, the the Sixers were an average team last year. They made two kind of under the radar deals that really changed the complexion of this team. Ken Dombrowski, I just read you the free agent list. They ain't getting help from them. But can they pull, can he pull a couple under the radar? The Mets just did it today. I'm not saying even on that level. But can he get someone to take Hoskins? Can he get someone to take McCutcheon? Can he get someone to take Kingery? Can he get someone to take Segura? I'm not saying all of them. Just Can he trade two of those guys
1: and just change the everyday feel of this? I think it is possible. I get where you're coming from. If you do move on from a Segura, which there was trade rumors with the Blue Jays, and I don't know how much value Scott Kingery really has, but if you do move on some, some, from, from some guys, can you guys come in here and, and change that attitude, that, that confidence with the culture and all? I guess it's possible. Are they even trying to do that, though?
0: I don't know, but, I mean, he mentioned let Dombrowski do his thing. Is he trying to do something for this year? I go back to no fans. They don't have to see their constituents every day not go to the ballpark or boo them unmercifully because they didn't do anything. Go to the ballpark with no repercussions. Same team, I'll just grin and bear it for a year. Maybe my TV ratings go down, my merchandising goes down,
1: but I don't have to hear them. Where it where it differentiates itself from what the Sixers did, I think Joshua Harris was more understanding of the fan base, more understanding of the frustration. And when you look at Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and the way the NBA works, it's more of a dude. We got to win this thing now. We got to put wins together now with the Phillies. I don't think John Middleton has the sense of urgency of no hey, fans. Hey Dombrowski, we got to win right now. No fans, right? No fans is a and you can say well the Sixers have no fans either. I I think it's a different scenario. I think the owners feel the fan base differently. Joshua Harris, even though I criticized him in the past, I think he was aware of the criticism of that organization from last year to this year. I don't think John Middleton fully grasps how much people are very frustrated with everything going on. I just, I don't think he truly
0: understands. 609-403-0973, I read back in November the NL did away with the DH. I don't think that's official. It is not official. It is still ongoing. Which is why. Yeah, I thought I saw Buster only tweet something about they haven't made a decision yet. They have not. I don't even know how that's possible. How are you in January not have a decision on that? As if the MLB is not having this
1: discussion. Hey, guys, what do you think we should do? What are they talking about?
0: Right. We got two Jamokes here having this conversation about the, they, they haven't, that's not on the agenda yet. Am I a Jamoke? Yeah, I'm one, you're two. Okay, that's fine. As long as you, uh, you know, you acknowledge you're one as well. I am. All right, Jim Schwartz, news with Jim Schwartz as it's not crazy news. I mean, it's was kind of known. It was reported late last week that Jim Schwartz was going to step down. He has done that today. He put out a comment uh that the Eagles tweeted out Quote, I would like to express my gratitude to Jeffrey Lurie, Coach Peterson, and Howie Roseman, as well as the entire football staff, and and the many coaches and players I've had the honor of working with. This has been an incredible five-year run. I relished every moment of it. I feel especially indebted to guys like Fletcher, BG, Rodney, and Jalen, who have had the privilege of coaching all five years, as well as Nate, DB, Vinny, and many others I have celebrated a Super Bowl championship with. Geary got a mention in there. How about that? Uh, I enjoyed working with this organization and coaching in the city of Philadelphia. I've given my heart and soul to the game of football, and not just over the last five years here, but throughout my 32 years as a coach. Although my passion for the game remains strong, it is best for me to step back from the day-to-day of coaching for the time being. I have too much respect for the game and for everybody involved to compromise the level of commitment that I believe is necessary to do the job. I don't know what my future holds, but I am willing to do anything I can to help this organization in any way. Thank you again to the city of Philadelphia and to the Eagles for an incredible five years. My family and I will never forget our time here. Do you think
1: it's possible? Yes. And, what? do you know what I'm going to say? No. Oh, I thought you read my mind. Do you think it's possible that he gets some calls for some head coaching jobs? No. Okay. I know that the league's transitioning to the offensive side and everything, but I just wonder, he said he's taking a step back for the time now. I just We also questioned, was this him just putting out a statement because he knew that yeah. he was going to get canned anyway? Well,
0: I was listening to a podcast the other night. Mike Lombardi, who's a local guy, he used to be a GM in the league. He's also the guy that said Doug Peterson was the worst head coach in football and got blasted for that. But I think Mike's a sharp guy, said something that was foolish, never really apologized about it, by the way. But still, the guy was a GM in the league worked in multiple organizations, smart guy. You make mistakes, you say stuff that's ridiculous. He did. But that being said, I was listening to a podcast the other night. The Schwartz thing came up in the podcast. A couple things he said. Take a listen.
2: I think this was one of those situations where, you know, he, he was tired of being a defense coordinator. I think he wanted another chance to be a head coach, and his contract is up, and he's only 54 years old, retiring. You know, the guy, when we hired him in Cleveland, he was, uh, 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 you know, he was just a young coach and he was, you know, he finished third in his class in Georgetown e- Economics. So this is a bright guy that can do a multitude of many things. So
0: he said he was tired of being the defensive coordinator. He, he kind of wants to be a head coach. Does stepping away and taking a year out of the game, you know, help you become a head coach? I, I don't see, I don't think he has enough cachet. Well, he did that in the past, didn't he? He took some time off before. Yeah, but not to become a head coach. He went from Nashville. He got the head coaching job with Detroit. Made the playoffs. It's the first they got one win in 60 years. It wasn't him, but got them to the playoffs, which is an accomplishment. Got fired from there. Then he went to Buffalo. Buffalo hires Rex Ryan, so now they have no need for both of them. So he leaves and he works in the NFL front, the NFL office.
1: Yeah, I just think because he's a D coordinator, people don't value that the same way as they do offensive gurus. Just these doesn't days.
0: scream head coach to me anymore. I agree with you. I'm not disagreeing with you. Uh so Lombardi went on, there's two more things that he says here. That one of them I think is really interesting. Listen to this one though.
2: It'll be interesting to see how this changes the dynamic within the building because that scheme that they have is tailored towards the players that they currently have. This is one of the issues you have as an organization when you buy into a defensive scheme that's not the philosophy of the team that when that coach leaves and now all of a sudden, are you still going to play wide nines? Can you still play this type of scheme? How are you going to play it? How are you going to change?
0: That's a very interesting point. Like Brandon Graham, you signed him to this deal. How productive was Graham because he was in that system? How productive are some of these other guys because of the system that you're running? I can see the people out there going, productive,
1: this defense has been terrible. No, it hasn't been. You are correct. Uh, And that's why I wonder if they're going to go in the in-house Move. If, if they're gonna hire someone in house because they've been here with Jim, they understand the philosophy, if they wanna because the roster is built the way that it is, they wanna stick with that. So maybe a Burke is a way to go.
0: Now, a lot of people did not like Schwartz, the fans. They oh he gotta
1: go, the sticks, they gotta fire him.
0: Jim Schwartz is the worst. They've been a top ten defense over his five years here. People just get mad because they wanna be mad at somebody. Somebody has to be the reason you're frustrated. We talked about it yesterday. But what if Jim Schwartz has meant more than just being the coach of the defense? Mike Lombardi said this.
2: I think he's been the glue that's held Philadelphia together. Philadelphia fans always give him a lot of crap and always are on top of him, but I think their defense has always been able to to hang in there, and their defense has been able to put pressure and keep people out of the end zone, which ultimately is the signature of how well you play on defense. So, I mean, if this is it for Jim, I wish him the best. I think Jim's an outstanding coach. He's a better person, and I know he did a lot to help Philadelphia. He's been the glue inside that building. In other words,
0: there's a lot of stuff sometimes that goes on and that maybe Peterson isn't the best at this or that and Jim Schwartz, who's been a head coach
1: in the past, kind of helped out in that role. He's been around for a long time, so he does have a lot of respect from these people around the league. He has had a lot of success. I know that there are people out there who don't think that is true, but go back and look at his history and look at his career. He's been around a long time, so I think there's a lot to be said about that. I can also say who can step in maybe they can do the same though you know what I mean like just because you move on from someone doesn't mean you can always find somebody
0: who can be a good just because somebody leaves that's good at their job doesn't mean the next guy can't be good at their job too right but I think people are underestimating what the Eagles are losing with Jim Schwartz leaving that's all you don't have to sway me one way I'm a Schwartzman all right on the other side the NBA is about two weeks old what are we learning? What are we figuring out? What are we taking from the first two weeks of the season? We'll talk to NBA insider
2: Keith Smith from Yahoo Sports. He's back for another year right here on the to the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN.
3: All
0: right, 533 on your Thursday. Don't forget, coming up tonight during game night, it's Paul Hudrick, our Sixers insider, previewing this uh, Sixers game, which is just taking a little change there, bro.
1: Yeah, I told you guys before, my excitement level went from a 10 to a 5 because no KD. Let's mark it down to a .2. No Kyrie now either.
0: Kyrie's out. By the way, that line was, uh, it just went up to 4. So it was betting down to one and a half. It was like two. And now I just checked in. It's at four. Hmm. So Kyrie's only worth about half a point.
1: They're saying it's due to personal reasons. So um, maybe it's more than just like a load management thing. Maybe there's, I don't know, something going on.
0: Don't know. But uh, I'm glad I jumped in on that Sixers when it was about two. You think they do it again? No Kyrie. No. I get it's a road game of a back-to-back, but you. This is the kind of game that if Brett Brown lost, you would get murdered. That's every game. I know. They even got crushed for the games they won. <laughs> That's true. I want to ask uh, Keith Smith, Yahoo Sports NBA, of course, uh, talk a little NBA with him. What the difference he sees from the Sixers team? Is it more coaching related? Is it more roster construction? The 7-1 Sixers team, has it caught your eye, Keith Smith, as we bring you back to the sports bash of the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. A lot different feel around this Sixers team than when we last spoke.
3: Yeah, definitely. They are, uh, they're they're uh, a lot more organized. I guess that is the best uh, way I can describe them. They They look like they are all on the same page, that they are doing what they're supposed to be doing together as a group, and I think that has made all the difference. For this team, I think, you know, having guys like Danny Green and Seth Curry, that has rebalanced the roster um, around Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and Tobias Harris. And I think that's allowing everybody to flourish. It's just a team that makes a lot more sense with a coach that has really got them organized in doing what they do to their best ability.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, the spacing on this team, because... You watch Ben Simmons. He, he has still not really evolved his game that much, but having the room to roam has really helped him out uh, more so than almost anybody.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It was going to have to go one of two ways with Ben Simmons. Either Ben Simmons was going to have to change his game or they were going to have to change the personnel around him. And clearly I think we're deep enough into his career now where we know he's, he's not going to all of a sudden start coming down and pulling up you know, five or six times a game from behind the arc. So that really turned it into, all right, we know that you needed to get different personnel around him. And they've done that. I think they've they've done a really good job uh, putting a roster together that makes a lot more sense with Simmons and Embiid than anything they've had in the last couple of years.
1: Do you think that this eight games is a big enough sample size to look at and say, huh, this is sustainable? I mean, you look at Seth Curry shooting over 60%. Yesterday, they shot 80% from three in the first half, scoring 82 points. They're scoring these obnoxious points, and the talent level they're facing isn't anything lethal. So I'm not trying to take anything away from them. I'm just trying to look at it objectively. You know, Is this really who they are, or is there a lot of reasons why this is the outcome?
3: No, I mean, it's probably somewhere in the middle, if you really get into it. I think that they are very good, and I think um, you're going to see them have – some really good shooting nights. I know they had a couple poor ones earlier in the year, too, and they still managed to win those games. So I think what what you'll ultimately see is, you know, there's going to be nights where just things won't go down. And Danny Green, every season he has played has had a stretch where he goes about three or four weeks where you're like, is this guy ever going to make a shot again? And then eventually he bounces back and looks really good. So I think what you'll see is them, you'll just have to play through those tough periods to keep it going, and I think if they can do that, then there's no reason why they can't continue to be a very, very good team.
0: Uh, Joel Embiid, what looks different about Embiid? He's obviously uh, upped his production. I mean, he's up to like 28 points a game. Last night, 38 points. But what do you see when you see Embiid about what's different about him?
3: I think he's fully engaged game to game and play to play. Um, Joel Embiid's problem in his first, you know, handful of years in the league would be that you knew, uh, you know, some games, it's just he wasn't going to show up and it just wasn't going to go very well. And then you knew that they were going to be, uh, even within games, he might come out and score 15 or 16 in the first quarter and then you might not hear from him again the rest of the, the game. And I think what he's done this year is he's pacing himself a little bit better. I think the improved play around him helps that he's allowed to kind of feel his way into games a little bit he's also a little bit more mature now and knows hey i gotta make it you know 30 35 minutes in this game and not just 20 i, I gotta be good at the end so i'm not going to use up all my energy in the first quarter and in my first you know eight to ten minutes spin uh, i'm gonna you know keep some in reserve and i think that's made a big difference for him playing well all the way deep into the year into the game rather
1: Another player that took a big step this year is Tobias Harris. Now, we've seen him be successful under Doc Rivers before, but what have you seen differently from last year to this year?
3: Yeah, no hesitation from Harris this year. I think when he's getting the ball, he's doing whatever he's going to do. He's doing it quickly, indecisively. And, and again, I don't want to keep harping on the same thing, but I think the the spacing around makes that much easier. Because when the spacing was all kind of uh, you know messy before, he would catch the ball, he'd have to kind of put himself in a spot where it would be, all right, now I got to figure it out, and am I going to attack off the dribble or do whatever? Where the spacing is better now, I feel like he's getting. The ball and whatever he's doing, he's doing right away. And I think that's making a huge difference. And then defensively, him playing uh, primarily more at the four than the three, that makes a big difference. At the four, he's a perfectly good defender. He's not, he's never going to be an all-defense guy or anything like that, but you have those guys. You have Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid for that. I think what you're seeing with Harris is there's no power forward in the league that he can't defend and don't really kind of at least hold his own against. When he's at the three, he's completely overmatched because he can't defend out on the perimeter. He's not going to defend guys off the dribble, so that causes him a lot of issues.
0: Key Smith, Yahoo Sports NBA, and of course, uh, Sixers tonight against Brooklyn, right here on ninety seven three ESPN. Um, no Kyrie, no Durant, by the way. For I'm sure TNT's thrilled. Um, Curry, have you seen? I mean, if you if you hadn't seen Curry and you just kind of oh, it's Seth Curry, Seth Curry's younger brother. Have you seen his game evolve more, or is is this who he has been?
3: I think this is who he was uh, last year in Dallas. I think. You're seeing a guy, he can do just a little bit off the dribble. Um, He's never going to be his brother as an off the dribble guy. He's just not quite that player. But what he understands is how to play with good players and how to move. Now I think his time in Dallas with Luka Doncic really being kind of such a ball dominant guy, he learned how to move into spaces and be there for passes. I would say last year, if you watched him and Tim Hardaway Jr. working with Luka Doncic, it was like a quarterback with a wide receiver where they kind of pass to the spot and just know the guy will be there. Um, that's what Cardi learned. And you're already seeing him do that with Ben Simmons, where Ben Simmons throws passes. There's been a couple of times this year Where if you don't know what's going on, you think he's just throwing the ball out of bounds. And then there's Curry. He trusts that he's going to get to that spot and get open for the shot. And I think that's um, who Seth Curry is. He's, you know, he's a guy who, he does have his issues. You know, you can attack him defensively. You can kind of, you know, at times even, you know, kind of play him off the floor because of it. But as long as he's making enough shots, he's going to be in there making a huge difference.
1: After seeing him play a handful of games here and looking how smooth it is, I was thinking from Dallas' perspective, trading him for Josh Richardson. Now, you mentioned the defense, which he lacks. Josh Richardson has that. But how do you view that trade? Because this version of Seth Curry, I don't know how I could let that leave my team if I'm an organization.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, it was. Um, this was one of those kind of classic win-win trades. It was good for both sides. Dallas needed another guy who you could give the ball to and he can do something off the dribble because everything was Luka Doncic last year. They didn't have another guy other than occasionally Tim Hardaway Jr. with the right defender on him that could do anything off the bounce. So Richardson has helped there. They needed another bigger guard because they don't want to put Doncic on anybody who's very good. They want to be able to conserve him for his offensive play. So they needed another big um, guard, another wing with size that could defend and then obviously for philadelphia they needed anybody who could come in and make shots so i think that's made kind of all the difference for both of those teams and i think it's really one of those trades where as you look at it it's worked out fantastic for both sides
0: i know it's early um have you changed your expectations in uh for philly
3: no i haven't i had them second in the east um, going into the season, behind only Milwaukee, um, I, I kind of said, you know, they're either going to make me look good or they're going to make me look like an idiot. Now, you know, live with whatever, whatever the outcome is. I was a big believer in them. Um, I thought their roster construction made a lot more sense. But my worry is, is what are they when we get to the playoffs? You know, because that's that's the concern. We know they can be a pretty good regular season team. Um, We've seen it in the past. They've always kind of gone through that period where then they have some hiccups and it all kind of falls apart a little bit on them. But I think, you know, we knew this is a playoff team, you know, barring disaster. So I'm now concerned more with, all right, they're proven, you know, unless somebody seriously gets injured or something like that, we know what they're going to be be in the regular season now i just want to see can they get to the playoffs and get past the first or second round
0: yeah and i know it's a little ways off but daryl morey's here if he's trying to tinker do you make the big move or do you look to just complement this roster
3: as long as they keep going along the way they are and i mean let's be real what are they seven and one right now or six and one i know they've only got the one loss they're gonna lose games. I mean, they're they're not you know they they're they're not gonna go in a seventy-two game season. You know, they're not gonna go sixty-two and ten or anything like that. They're, there's gonna be a period where they lose a couple in a row, and that's just how it goes in the NBA. But I think as long as they keep winning at a pretty good clip, and guys stay healthy, Daryl Morey needs to really say. All right, I know I like to, you know, you know swing for the fences when it's there and I'll make big moves, but maybe it's just tinkering around the edges cuz as you know, you guys know we've been for as long as I've been coming on the show, they've always needed another guy or two off the bench and they're kind of still in that position where they could use another guy or two off the bench, especially somebody with a little bit of size that I think they can trust that can play, you know, maybe the 3-4 position for them a little bit more than the guys they have right now.
1: You brought up the bench, and Tyrese Maxey is absolutely stunning us with this great play at such a young age. What have you seen from him?
3: Yeah, I, I like um, what he he knows who he is as a young player, which is not always all that common for a really young player. A lot of times you see those guys come in, especially a young guard, and it takes them a long time. But I think what they've done is they've put him in a position where it's come in and attack. That's all we really want you to do. Come in, make plays off the dribble. Um, Doc Rivers has had success with young guards in the past by taking that same approach. Of, look, I just want you to kind of get after it. Just you know, get get you know when you're in there, go downhill play off the bounce we've seen a couple times he hasn't really had it and they pull him out and just you know and you deal with it and you move on to the next guy and I think that's perfectly fine so yeah I think he's a really good fit for them and they've kind of got him in an ideal role for a young guard
0: at Keith Smith NBA check him out on Twitter of course um obviously the big story entering the year was James Harden what do we think ends up happening with him
3: yeah, I, you know, it's funny. I was just asked uh, on another show, um, you know, well, what what happens with James Harden? How long are we waiting here? And, I think it's going to be a while. There, there's a couple reasons for that. One is the Rockets want a big return package. They want two or three young players um, that are under team control that they can build around. They want a boatload of draft picks. They, they're looking at, all right, if Drew Holiday can get three picks and pick swaps, we want at least that for James Harden. And then the other piece is he makes $41 million. You're talking a two, three, four for one trade. Those are hard to do in season because the team trading for them, you're basically giving up all of your depth you're making that move. Now, that could be perfectly fine if you can replace it. And then on the Rockets' side, you need to get them in a position where then they can take back three or four guys without, you know, with having enough roster spots and those kind of things. They're working under the hard cap, so that's a tricky part for them as well. So I think what you're going to see ultimately with the Rockets is it's going to take a little while for this to come together. Now, what's good on their side is teams like Toronto are really struggling out of the gate. Does Masayu Jerry look at it, this guy's got more cachet than anybody. So you know he could kind of say I can make the home run swing without worry of getting fired or anything like that. Does he look at it and say, yeah, this is the move to get us back on track, get us back to being a playoff team and competitive again? And if he goes that way, then you could see a move coming, but I think it might be a little bit.
0: All right, uh, Sixers and Nets tonight right here on 97.3 ESPN. He's Keith Smith at Keith Smith, Smith NBA. Follow him on Twitter, and, of course, he, like all guests, appeared via the Boardwalk Honda hotline. Always great stuff, Keith. Thanks so much.
3: Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Happy New Year. Y'all stay safe, you and yours. You do the same. Happy New
0: Year to you. He, of course, will be joining us throughout the season here as uh, we talk NBA with him. We'll get a lot of great insight from Keith throughout the year. There is a proposed trade, five trade offers for James Harden. Sixers, of course, of one of them. The offer Philly gets Harden, Houston gets Simmons, Scott, Matisse,
1: Theibel. Would you do it? No. I've been firm on my stance. I am not trading Ben Simmons.
0: Would you guys do it? 609-403-0973. Back with more The Five next.
2: It's Sixers. All right, time for the five
0: to get ready to wrap up the show. Don't forget Sixers and Nets tonight at 7.30. Paul Hudrick at 6.20 with a preview. All
1: right, we're going to go through the player props right now. Not active for the 76ers game. A little disappointing. So we'll go a different route. The total over under 223 for the Sixers versus Nets.
0: I don't know. Is Embiid going to play now? I mean, do they shift their opinion? I see the spread is four. Yes. I locked it in at three.
1: Oh, okay. You have it at three.
0: Well, I got it when I heard the Kyrie news. I went to the app, and it was three. Now it's all the way up to four. So it started at one and a half. It was two, bouncing back and forth throughout the day. When the news came down, I locked it in at three, and now it's up to four. Okay, would you also take it at four? Because
1: one of my questions is, is no. the Sixers going to cover? I don't know. I don't know if Embiid's playing. I know. That's, the, back that's, to back. that's what's tricky about some of these. You know what I mean? It's disappointing. All this new. This is the NBA for I'm you. I'm going to
0: go under on the score. Okay. Um. Although, Levert's one of those guys that when he plays by himself, he could go off.
1: Now, it's interesting you bring that up. I'm not going to tell you what Josh thinks. But at 26 and a half, between points, rebounds, and assists combined, 26 and a half for Levert.
0: Yeah, I go over there. You go over that.
1: Yeah, Lavert's one of them guys that like when he's
0: the main guy, the Sixers have had problems with him, and when he's like the guy, and I would imagine tonight he's going to be the guy.
1: Right. And Josh will share his thoughts for some of these later on as well. Jokic, nine and a half assists total. Over, under. I know where you're going. Yeah,
0: I'm going... I'm going over. They're playing Dallas tonight. You got Luka. It's going to be one of those, anything you can do, I can do better. It's incredible, isn't it? I, I love Jokic. I was By the way, to... I had the chance to pick AD in that fantasy league, and I went with Jokic. Who was your first pick? Jokic. Okay, that was I your had first the third pick. pick in the draft, I think.
1: Oh, you're talking about the—oh, fa- sorry, I got confused with what happened yesterday in your— Well,
0: Jokic doesn't play football. I know.
1: I got confused for a second. You know how my brain I works. had the 10th pick. How did that play out? One of my questions for you in the five.
0: I gotta be honest.
1: I mean, my buddy, uh, he, he did a.
0: He wanted to put this together. They should have let me run it like I normally do.
1: It does seem like you're not very excited about how this all out. I don't think out. it was
0: well thought out. Like the first guy took Mahomes, the second guy went Rodgers. I don't remember third, and then I came up. I took Russell Wilson. But I said, well, how many slots are there? There's nine guys. Do you have a bench? What happens when your guy loses? Can you pick guys up? Is there a waiver wire? Is it total points? Like, okay, there's 13 teams. How do you have an uneven amount of teams? Why don't you take control then? They texted me like the day of. Your friend's got to do a better job. So everybody's asking me, are you doing the league that you normally do? Why, they want, they want out of that one? Well, I don't feel like running it. It's too much running around. But this is what happened. You, don't want, you want things done right, you do it yourself. I don't even know who's on my team. I took Metcalf. I wasn't going to let him pass me. Even though I had a neck injury grade on him, game night's up next. South Jersey's favorite sports show, The Sports Bash with Mike Gill, now has a
2: podcast. You can listen to full episodes of your favorite segments, interviews, and more.